0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name, of course, is Brady. Uh, I am joining you here on a on a night where, or I guess an afternoon, where the Winnipeg Jets get a big win over the Paul Maurice Florida Panthers 6-4, to and I'm joined here tonight with my good buddy, Jacob Stoller. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Doing good. How are you, Matt? Thanks for having me.
0: I am, uh, you know, I ca- I honestly cannot complain. On you know, when the Winnipeg Jets win, I'm uh, I'm feeling happy. When uh, <laughs> when the game goes like it is, it's a very exciting one. Uh, I'm just <laughs> sitting here waiting to do a show after and uh, knowing there's lots to talk about. Uh, before we do get into it, though, uh, Jacob, why don't you why don't you give everyone a little bit uh, of insight into yourself? Let them know who you are, what you do, and for work. Uh, obviously, over at the Hockey News and Yahoo. And if I missed anything else, uh, let them know.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks, Brady. Yeah, so uh, as you said, I work for The Hockey News, and I'm a multimedia journalist. I do stuff on our, for our magazine, uh, our website, like thehockeynews.com. I host a couple of podcasts for them as well. And then for Yahoo, uh, I'm a freelance writer, so anything from news hits to features and whatnot. Uh, born and raised in Winnipeg. I live in Toronto the last couple of years, but uh, back here, um, yeah, back here out of the uh, center of the universe. And uh, yeah i don't maybe you know obviously I pay quite close attention to the jets. I maybe not necessarily as much as some of the beat reporters i 'll usually do stuff on the the visiting team sometimes or bigger features, but it's hard not to be dialed in when you're living in the city
0: exactly yeah the buzz around the city has been uh, been high it's been a crazy off season i'm sure we will. Chat about uh, all the changes and uh, the outlook on the team this year. Before we get into it, though, going to have to do a little bit of housekeeping uh, for the for the stream here. Obviously, this is the first uh, solo Jets show this year. If you guys missed it uh, last week, not what last week, geez, on uh, on Tuesday, the first game uh, was against the Flames. And uh, if you didn't see any game over Winnipeg specific streams, that's because... Uh, For SCPN for Game Over, we're doing these head-to-head streams now, rather than having the the Flames do their own show and me myself and Liz do uh, you know a Winnipeg show. We're combining them together, having a fun, uh, uh, lots of chirps, lots of bets, lots of uh, you know giving each other shit over over our teams, and uh, hopefully I hope you guys missed it because I had to wear a, a Calgary Flames jersey after losing. Uh, To them in the season opener, but today's a new day. The Winnipeg Jets win today. So that's uh, that's that's one thing off the uh, housekeeping board. Second, uh, now we're going to be taking questions uh, at the end of the show rather than having them kind of coming in interspersed uh, throughout the show. So if you have any questions, please save them for. Uh, later on, I will put a call out there for them. If you have any questions for myself or uh, or Jacob, of course. And uh, last but not least, certainly not least, uh, just a little initiative. If you've been following me on uh, on Twitter, uh, you'll see that I've been retweeting uh, Jets money on the board. It's a little uh, little program, uh, not program, little initiative that was put together by uh, Cody Magnuson, kind of uh, in in, uh, in hopes to kind of replicate what the Senators and the Red Wings have done, basically. Very simple. Go check out the uh, the the Twitter account uh, at JetsMOTB. Um, if you think uh, you know, you put put down a little bet as to you know how the season's going to go for the Jets. Oh, I'm going to bet a uh, dollar for every Mark Shifley goal. I'm going to bet uh, ten bucks if the uh, if the Winnipeg Jets win tonight. And uh, all the money, if you do end up getting uh, your predictions right, uh, or, or you know, you set a, a certain amount of goal or a certain goal. Excuse me, geez, I'm flustered. Uh, If you set, you know, a certain amount for uh, for every Winnipeg, Winnipeg goal of the night, uh, it'll all get donated to uh, four fantastic charities. There's Toba Center for Children and Youth, Rainbow Resource Center, Project 11 uh, uh, and Manitoba Association of Women's Shelters. Like I said, please go check it out. I'll uh, I'll make sure to throw a link into the chat right away. But anyways, that's uh, that's the housekeeping today. So, uh, again, Jets win six to four against the uh, the Panthers tonight. Man, what a what a game, uh, like just the most chaotic, crazy game I've seen. I mean, I guess it's only the second se- uh, you know, game of the season. But, uh, you know, J- Jacob, we were chatting a little bit before and during the game. You told me that you did at least check out at least uh, a little bit of the uh, the game the other night against the Flames. Have you noticed anything really like different about the Jets this year? Is there anything, like, any sort of identity that's kind of changed since last year? Obviously, we had some key departures. Just curious, uh, what your thoughts are on the Jets this year going forward. I mean, obviously we've only had two games so far, but, uh, but yeah, let us know.
1: Well, so far, what I think the biggest things have stuck out to me is the forward depth, and that's neat. That's kind of a one to cherry pick, but when you're looking at the way that Rick Bonus and you know even Paul Maurice before like to run it, where you have that checking line of Adam Lowry at the you know the spearheading that having a player like Alex Ayafalo as your third-line left winger is such a luxury. And I think that, you know, not the craziest about Mason Appleton as a whole, but I think Appleton, Lowry, and Ayafalo, that's probably one of the best third lines in the league. And it trickles down, right? You have Nemesnikov on your fourth line. You've kind of got all those points of what you want in a four-line attack. And it's funny, I was on the Level Flight podcast with Connor Harabchuk, yeah. and he was we were saying how, like, I initially was saying history would tell us, and I hoped I was wrong that they wouldn't play the fourth line much. But to Connor's credit, as he pointed out, like their depth is too good to not do that, and you're seeing that. So seeing their fourth line actually be a useful line, seeing the penalty kill be you know very very instrumental in their attack. That's the biggest differences I've noticed so far.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that that's kind of the big talking point around the Jets this year. They kind of traded away a bit of the the star power for a bit more depth. Um, yeah. I, and, you know, that kind of leads me into uh, a little bit of the next question. I mean, tonight the, the depth worked out. I mean, we got we had goals from Morgan Barron. We had goals from uh, Mason Appleton on that that hilarious uh, uh, no stick uh, handoff from uh, from Josh Morrissey to uh, to Adam Lowry. You know obviously tonight in a game like this the the depth worked out for the jets uh my question to you is more do you believe that the route that they've taken with gathering more depth will pay off for them in the long run do you think that star power is is you know maybe a a little bit less necessary or do you think that uh you know throughout the course of a year it's it might become a little bit more apparent that you know if if things don't go perfectly in regards to depth scoring. That maybe things might not go right.
1: Well, it's funny because if you look at the Dubois trade, let's also remember it's not like Pierre Luc Dubois was the X factor for Winnipeg Jets. Great player, love his game. I think he's potential to be one of the best power forwards in the league. But losing Dubois, like I don't think it completely decimates the Jets, right? You still have up front. You have Shively, Casey. You got Ehlers. You know Perfetti. You hope takes a step this year, so on so forth, right? So. It's not depleting, depleting the team in a massive way. And then you bring in Velarde, who could have a fantastic season. I follow Kupari. And you're adding that to then a the nucleus I just mentioned. Like, I think that helps, especially because as good as Dubois was, he didn't want to be here. His On some nights he was great, but other nights he was downright invisible. And I think star power is one thing, but the NHL isn't like the NBA, right? There's not just five guys playing and you need... A star, it's like instrumental. There's four lines, three pairings, you know, you'd say two goals. There's one goalie in a game, but goalies aren't playing every single night anymore. That's Mm -hmm. kind of not the way the game is going. So the point I'm trying to make is you need depth. And I think this really helps them with that. And, you know, say what you want, but for different reasons, Dubois and Wheeler, I think it was best that they moved on. So bringing in players, that, I think Rick Bonus touched on it, but having people that want to be Winnipeg Jets is so so important because, you know, you and I both know it. Winters get long here; uh, it gets cold. It's not the the best time, uh, you know, of the year in a lot of ways. So you need to have people that are loving playing hockey and okay with that. It's not for everyone. That's fine. But and to be clear, Blake Wheeler was very much loved the city of Winnipeg. I think mean, mm-hmm. the reason he shouldn't be here is different, is which is well documented. But. I think that you need to have a team that's all in and a team aspect's big for a Jets team. You still need star power and they have it. But in terms of when you're looking at the the bottom of their lineup, or I guess you'd say lines two to four or whatever it is, I think that they're a better hockey team now than they were last year.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And obviously you kind of touched on the the different players that kind of have been added to this nucleus this core that we already have here but uh, I know that you and I were, were having a chat uh, again during the game and you were mentioning a couple players who uh kind of stood out to you in today's game um and maybe there aren't you know they're not exactly the players uh who just got added to the core but rather some players who maybe have had uh previous poor years did you want to speak on that at all
1: <laughs> yeah I yeah I thought Neil Pionk had a great game all yeah. things considered mm-hmm. I, I I think that as much as the second line center is a big part of Like a big question mark going into this year and a big X factor, you could say, in terms of will Perfetti be that 2C in an effective way? Neil Pionk playing at the level that he's shown to be capable of, that's another big part of it too. And what I saw from him tonight was the Neil Pionk from you know two years ago. And I think the thing with Pionk that's kind of misunderstood is what's working to his advantages, he's a really smart player, Pionk, right? And last year especially, there was always instances where whether it was just making mistakes or whatever it was, but you rarely find him out of position. And I think that that was a good predecessor to this year where he's taking away the body pretty well. His, you know, his passes are much more crisp. He looks poised out there and that's big for the jets. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when Neil Pionk's at his best, it's not even just that he can score, you know, 30 points a year, be a power play weapon. He can handle tough matchups. He can log big minutes. And that's really, really important for a Jets, the Jets back end. So that was my big takeaway from the game. Uh, I think, and you thought the same, no? You saw yeah, some of the things.
0: Yeah, I I think that like I, I have to acknowledge my biases. And I'm sure if anyone here has uh, has listened to the show before, they know I'm 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 a little harder on P excuse me, Ponk um than maybe some of the other players. And I think that that's just uh, <laughs> coming from a point of of be, you know being a little bit frustrated with his usage on the team sometimes, um, and his ex-
1: contract exactly like it's yeah and
0: and course. like looking at like even last game like there was the the one goal where he was on the PK goes right off his foot and then goes straight to a player who's ready uh, for a shot like immediately my first instinct there was to go you shouldn't be covering that guy you should be covering a different guy and blah blah, blah this and that and. I, I don't think that's fair to him. And I, I think that also Pionk has has this kind of aura when you watch him. He he stands out in comparison to the rest of the players in the sense that he, he looks a little awkward the way he skates ever since kind of that injury that he had a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, kind of, he looks he looks different in, in regards yes. to his skating style, uh, as well as kind of how he plays. But I thought tonight he did actually look a lot better. And uh, one of the reasons I was even saying to you, uh, I man i in the again only two games but i have absolutely loved dylan sandberg on this team so far mm-hmm. he looks so steady and and uh like he just looks like he's matured into a a an nhl veteran at this point i know it's only his second season but he doesn't i, I don't look at that guy and have to worry like oh you know do we have to put uh you know like demello with him to do the babysitting kind of thing uh you know of the two of the guys on that lo- on that pairing like i would say i personally would lean towards sandberg as being the more reliable of the two yeah um for sure and and i i really like that pairing together i think that sandberg can kind of help uh provide the stability that pionk needs in order to play uh you know at the top of his game but uh but you know we'll see as the season goes on as you know more bumps and bruises come by um but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'm just I'm just happy like this. This was just a fun, fun game for the Jets tonight. I, I'm just super excited uh, <laughs> to finally be here again and uh, watching the guys play. Um, you know, I, I know you already kind of touched on uh, Gabe Velarde and, the, you know, some of the pieces that came back. But I think that 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 top line, like we have to talk about that top line. I totally. feel like they are kind of providing that almost like not I, I don't want to give them too much you know, credit and say the globe trotters kind of style of offense but it really feels like the Jets have kind of found a good top line that works together I think that uh I've you know personally I have seen uh at least in Shifley a, a, a concerted effort to play a bit more defensively again only two, totally only two games in it, it can wear off in the future but I've been really impressed with his play recently as well as I think that gave Velarde kind of just fits on that line. um I'm not sure if you had any thoughts on either of those players or even Kyle Connor or what do you want to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that you nailed it on the head. It, they have
1: found a combination that really works. I know they liked having Wheeler there, the obvious chemistry with those guys, but the fact he was a right shot on a strong side on the wall. What I like about Villardi, and I talked to him uh, early in training camp, and he was kind of mentioning, and you know, I thought for a second he was being humble, but about how you know the two skilled players, he just has to get the puck to them. Obviously, Gabe Larkin can provide offense too, right? He's no, you know, he's no sh- schmuck. But I think that if you have a guy of his skill set, being that sort of retriever per se, and able to make passes through seams, able to fight a Kyle Connor uh, on a strong side, able to get Mark Shiffler in the slot, that makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you have, especially two just on the wall having that big of a body, I think it's it's such a seamless fit for them. I don't think that Velardi Maybe people disagree. I don't see him as a driver. I don't see him as a guy that's going to drive a line on his own. He's probably going to be a very good complementary player, mm-hmm. and in this role, it's probably best suited for him. And I'll agree with you about the Shifley thing, man. Like I, I've, I'm definitely a critic of Mark Shifley at times, but he looks very dialed in. Like he looks very dialed in in every facet of the game. This is game two. Keep in mind, and I think that you know, not just Shifley, but the Jets as a whole have shown us at certain times that they'll dip off and and kind of jump off a cliff in certain ways so i'm gonna temper expectations but there's no doubt shifley has looked really dialed in casey looks dangerous mm-hmm. he looks like yeah. <laughs> you know his usual form like every time he's out there he's gonna whip it out like just you're like holy crap like this guy's just he's floating out there sometimes so that line is really dialing in i honestly think the real question though is about that what do you think about the second line
0: that's i was gonna go there right away um before we do i i I just have to comment on uh, i was tweeting about this i loved the fact that uh off of just a dumb little little you know non-call for interference kind of thing for uh for kachuk the fact that even shifley decides to kind of go back at him and give him shit like again i i don't know if this was a concerted effort by him or not but the fact that he, you know, goes to, goes up to Kachuk and goes, "Hey, you want to go?" Like you can literally see it to see him in his face saying, "You want to go?" In the home opener, in front of the home crowd, right after you sign a deal, and on top of that, you take off one of the Panthers' best players for five minutes as they're about to try to mount and comeback against the Jets. And hey, I mean, we saw they almost made the comeback. If they had five extra minutes of Matt Kachuk on the ice, that could be a different game. And totally. So I, I I had to give uh, some credit to Shifley there again. I don't know if that was on purpose or not or, you know, whatever. But, yeah, the second line is interesting. That is, you know, I I, I have a lot of faith in Cole Profetti. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, yeah. I think he is kind of the 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 big key piece of that line on on whether or not it will work out. I think that it will take a little bit of time. He'll make some mistakes. Again, this is only like his, I think this is on the is This is only like his 75th. NHL 71st, game seventy first, yeah, seventy first, exactly. Like crazy, he he's got a lot of time to figure it out, and he's already be, being given such an important role. And again, that second line, like while it is a second line, it can still be almost looked at like a a, a one B or even I would almost say like a a two A. Like the the way that right. they are gonna that the Jets are gonna use both the third line and the fourth line, like. Fair. Perfetti isn't going to have to take the craziest matchups because they're going to be putting yes. the defensive shutdown line with Lowry against the other team's best. They're going to be putting b- point. The, the Shifley line against whoever. Um, so I I, I I I have a lot of, of time for them to figure it out. And I thought tonight, um, not only did, did Cole Perfetti have uh, a better game, um, even just getting that, that beautiful assist on the DeMelo goal, uh, great vision on his part. And that's kind of what the Jets need him for I mean on that line Nino Niederreiter is a shoot shoot first guy uh mm-hmm. nikolai ehlers is a shoot first guy so I think that he fits very well on that line it's just about whether or not he can you know step up to the uh you know what is needed of a of a 2c um yeah and just like to that point mm-hmm. touch on it but
1: also like a big part of a big like let that pass the demelo goal right mm-hmm. that was it that was Cole at his peak, just amazing vision, able to to decipher seams just in an instant, and it was a great play. Um, obviously it was nice for Trel to, to snipe it too, which no one expected. But I think the big part of that line is dependent on which version of Nick Ehlers are we going to get. Yeah, not to say he's inconsistent, but is he going to? How many games is he going to play this year? Right, like how? And, and people don't really talk about this, but before the Jets acquired Nino Niederreiter, like Niederreiter was kind of known as a bit of a streaky player. Like he's yeah. a high volume shooter, but he has those lulls. So. Those two guys will be a big part of what you'll get out of Cole Perfetti. He's not going to become a lightning fast skater. He's not going to change who he is. What Cole Perfetti is, is a super smart cerebral centerman that can come under the play, facilitate, make plays through the middle of the ice on his forehand and backhand and set up a volume shooter and need rider or a zone entry machine eeler. So, how those two guys on the flanks do will really define how he progresses and and how this season goes in my opinion
0: yeah and to to even just speak on it further like i remember uh, like coming into the season before we saw any like line combinations or anything like that i personally wanted Perfetti to be playing with kyle connor because in my mind i was i was thinking you know the pass guy with you know the most cerebral uh uh, goal scorer that the jets have um, would make a lot of sense, but you know, obviously the game is more than just hey, this guy has the puck and he needs to pass it to this guy and shoot. Um, and partnering him, I think, I think with Nick Ehlers, for example, it kind of gives. Uh, I feel like the line mates that they've given Cole Perfetti. Perfectly make up for his weaknesses. He's not the biggest totally. player. He's not the biggest player, and yet Nino Niederreiter's out there, and he's willing to bang and crash and go into the dirty areas for the team. Um, and and uh, he's also not the most fleet of foot guy. So having a guy like Ehlers on on that line in order to uh, you know facilitate the zone exits and zone entries, it just makes sense uh, as long as everything can come together and work out. the The worry that you might have is the it just doesn't mesh, but in you know again in only two games uh like the 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 Flames game i thought that all in all they they weren't fantastic and and that kind of goes to your point of you know it really depends on how nick Ehlers is playing because uh you know that guy missed all of all of preseason and and it looked yep. like he was a little bit rusty whereas tonight despite having ended the game uh against the flames where he looked like he was injured potentially uh, he looked like a, a speed demon tonight. Like he was all over the place. I absolutely loved the back check that he had on that one. Um, was it, it was it was after his slashing penalty? He, he yes. they, they got a a goal, a, a chance uh, to score. And then the puck came back and he came and just absolutely pickpocketed someone and went back up the ice and they almost scored again. Um, yeah, yeah, like things are just looking really good for the Jets, in my opinion. And And as far as. Uh, you know th- what I really liked about them tonight was that they kind of it felt like they just kept their foot on the gas. I mean, despite the, the the slight breakdown near the end of the game, uh, the Jets were firing on all on all cylinders all the way till the end of the game. And um, <laughs> another thing that you know maybe maybe you can touch on the the defensive side of things, but I found tonight that and especially especially tonight, but also last game. The defense just seemed to be like stepping up and playing the blue totally line agree. so much more. And and going back to when the Jets were the best that they were, when they had you know a capable blue line when Dustin Bufflin, uh, Toby Enstrom, all these guys were here. One of the things that was actually good under Maurice was that they, excuse me, they played a very aggressive uh, at the blue they line. They aimed for point shots. It Ex- was a priority. Exactly you saw it every time. Exactly, but but even but even on the like in regards to, um, you know, keeping pressure on the, yeah, when it, whenever the other, the opposing team, it wasn't just a back out and let them, you know, get their zone exit. It, it really seems like Rick bonus wants them to be playing active at the line, trying their best to keep the puck in keeping the foot on the gas. And again, it, it worked out for most of the night, in my opinion, again, uh, you know, bit of a breakdown near the end, but, um but yeah, I don't know where, where the question is here, but No, but I
1: think in terms of the defense, like from what I, my biggest takeaway about it is you look at, okay, so there's Schmidt who is grossly overpaid. And, you know, he is what he is. He's a bottom pairing guy. There's DeMello, who's good defenseman. He just needs to kind of be with a, a Morrissey type. There's a lot of like pieces. And I think last year it just, it was almost like a puzzle that was like distorted, right? You were like, you not everything was meshing together, I think. Mm -hmm. But this year, and it's too bad for Villy, the injury, right? He would have been a perfect kind of compliment to to some of these guys. It really is too bad. But I guess what I think, what I saw, at least the first two games, is way more in sync. The first passes were more crisp. But also, because the forwards are much better, I think that there's a lot more support for them down low, a lot more support in those, whether it's outlet passes and whatnot. You've got, you know, you've got, guys on the flanks that are much more susceptible to take passes. Like Perfetti as a winger is kind of just a a suicide pass. The kids get crunched at this point. Let's be honest. So the roster configuration up front definitely helps that too, I would say. I think that, I mean, like guys like Dylan and, and, you know, Schmidt, to be honest, all things considered, played pretty well today. I I think, you know, it's one game, two games, right? So it's really early, but you're right. I I think you nailed it on the head. The, The... the D are actually playing active. It was a big thing they wanted to do last year, but as as the year went on, it just seemed like it wasn't even workable aside from Morrissey, right? So I think what you've seen so far is an active and and effective decor.
0: Yeah, and and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like I I completely agree where uh, in regards to like how. Things just felt off last year, especially later on in the season. The Jets were were able to filter a lot of their offense still through the through the D-Men, um, you know, later on in the season. But I think the big issue has was that while they were getting shots from the D-men, nothing was coming at, coming from it. There was no chaos in front. There was no uh, tips. Oh, really? There was no rebounds. The way the Jets were scoring like crazy last year at the start of the season was that they were able to continually get those shots on, get tips in front, get the second, third, fourth shots until it's in the back of the net. And uh, it, it, I, I absolutely love the fact that you pointed out the um, – that like the the forwards have to do with that, uh, whether it's you know on the breakout with again the Cole Perfetti not being able to really move his feet there, but and and Blake Wheeler being a, a player totally who, that's another it's good just point just completely able to be pressured off the puck. Um, it, like t- the, the 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 two games that we've the Jets have had, the way I would describe their offense is chaotic, which is good, which is great, especially totally. for a team that creates from the uh, from the blue line so so much. Um. Yeah, it's 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 things are looking really good uh, for the Jets right now. I mean, uh, we, everyone kind of pegged them to be kind of middle of the central. I'm curious where are you coming into the season. I guess now that you have two games of a foresight, where do you kind of peg the Jets uh, in regards to the playoff race, the division, and and conference, and whatever you know? How, uh, how I still are you think feeling? they're
1: a, well, yeah. I still think they're a wild card team. Like that's kind of the way I see it. Um, and when I say that, I mean kind of like wild card like fringe or like either they'll make a wild card spot or they'll will miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's what I said before. And listen, I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen, but I'm still gonna kind of stick to that. I I think people are underestimating a lot of teams in the central. Namely, I don't know if I don't know if you've noticed this. I feel like every Jets fan just criminally underrates Minnesota. No matter what happens, it's always like you look at the standings and everyone's like, oh but it's Minnesota. It's like every time the Jets play Minnesota, I recently I think Minnesota's been the better team. Yeah. So that's my opinion about it. Like, yeah. I mean, am I out I, to lunch?
0: No, no. I, 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 I think that also a lot of the, the whenever the Jets play Minnesota, I think that also has to do with, I feel like there's always been kind of like the Minnesota flu. I feel like people have kind of deemed it just having the Jets Fair. have so many uh minnesotans that when they go to minnesota they you know they get the family time they get maybe a big right. dinner they get a little too comfortable but minnesota um, flu. <laughs> but uh but yeah no i i feel like the team that the teams that the 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 jets that jets fans at least right now that are under are over, under under rating uh mm-hmm. i feel like the predators while i agree regardless of you know, I have my questions for that team. I have a lot of questions about how they're going to score. At the end of the day, they have UC Saros, so I think that naturally they're going to be better than everyone else expects. Uh, a lot of people I've talked to, myself included, are are very much down on the Blues, and I think that's more of a like vibes thing rather than a yeah, like like I feel like that's everyone going, oh, I could see Arizona and and Chicago doing better than I expect. That's just such na- a
1: vibes thing, yeah, because just, it's just like, because they're you're like. Exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just because you're like, oh yeah, Connor Bedard, Logan Cooley, those guys will will, totally. will s- certainly skew the standings.
1: <laughs> um, well, to me, like, I'll be honest with you, when I was watching today's game, I was kind of thinking about this. And it's like, if you look, there's two things. One, the Jets are so lucky that they don't have to play against a Barkov all the time, too. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that guy's a mammoth. Obviously, Nate Max in the division, and there's there's very there's very good centers in this league, but I think in terms of the depth like the Jets have some it's it's been said like even before with Dubois right the Jets are the best three centers in the league remember they were saying that all the time like yeah. which is just not true but the, the Jets center depth is actually a huge asset for them and that's going to be really really key I think in, in this interdivisional play because if you look at their if you look at their center depth like a Nashville right they have a Ryan O'Reilly who's good but he's probably for sure a two C now Tommy Novak, good player. I wouldn't say he's a one C either. And uh, the other Buffalo teams have a problem too. It's kind of a long-winded out there take to say, but I think that if you look at the way the Jets stack up against the other division, I mean, I don't mean to railroad this, but their power play, their power play has to be elite in my opinion. If, yeah. if you think they're if if you think they're going to be better than a wild card team, they need they need to get this power play at an elite level. I think you saw some good glimpses of it, but I I, I just want to like the penalty kills great. Which yeah. Is awesome. But I think the p- power play needs to be exceptional. Like top 7 or top
0: 10. Yeah. Let's say. I I very much uh very much agree with that. Uh and, and that, like that was the whole thing last year was the power plays just felt yeah. absolutely anemic. Like completely like the what the every single power play you could you could write it up the script the script was written it so was predictable the first minute is going to be them failing to enter the zone eventually they they get off the ice the second power play comes on maybe they get into the zone maybe they get possession but at that point it's uh 10 seconds left in the power play and you're and it's like
1: casey gets it does a little dance with it and then he dishes it back to morrissey and like you could just tell that morning, at the Delta Hotel, they had a PK meeting. Like, all right, here's exactly what the Jets are to yeah, do. Exactly. We're going to do this. And it was just so predictable. So, yeah, I think they really got to get that going. Do, I don't know. Do you like I follow on, on PP1? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs>
0: I I I am a firm believer in... You're a big e- Ehlers guy. Well, it, well, I am a Fair. big Ehlers guy, but but regardless of if it was Ehlers, if it was Shifley, if it was Connor, if it was Morrissey, if it was any of these, other, or if it was Velarde, any of those guys, if they are left off the top power play, I'd be making the exact same arguments for them. I, I fully believe you should be putting your best players out there the entire as long as possible on the power play you should not be uh you know separating it into two because here's the thing the the and especially regarding like who is the first power play that goes onto the ice the the reason i i campaigned so hard for nikolai ehlers is what it was what was the issue with the first power play it was it was the fact that they absolutely cannot get into the zone whatsoever uh and and Nikolai Ehlers like that's what he does he literally enters the zone he is a zone entry god um <laughs> so it's true. It, it it just made no sense why he wasn't on the top power play last year as far as this year goes i mean the top power play has looked better but again already today i saw those glimpses of even before the Shifley goal uh luckily they were able to get into the zone eventually and Shifley scored but uh they were having trouble getting into the zone until that happened uh so I think I, I, I follow is kind of there because he's just giving being given the net front, uh, you know, spot the the kind of button. But he's also playing like the middle, which doesn't really make sense because, yeah, going. I th- mean, here here's the
1: thing, though, that the first Shifley goal made me think about this. Shifley needs to get the, make that sweet spot like his trademark place, in my opinion. Like That's because we saw it before, but then it kind of got lost. Like he in the middle of the ice, he has such a weapon. But I feel like we didn't see it enough at certain points yeah that's where he needs to make it his kitchen in my opinion
0: yeah i i completely agree and that's where he saw the most success like going back to 2018 when you know patrick Liney was the guy on the on the far wall like the whole point was that shifley was able to find uh and kind of hide in the weeds right in the middle as you know they're watching the passes going left and right left and right there's a guy sitting in the middle who is right in the slot like in the prime spot to shoot and that is Mm -hmm. exactly where Shifley has scored the most amount of his his power play goals. Um, he he's just really good at 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 sneaking away from guys and getting his stick down. Um, and it just I don't know like it, it it feels so obvious to me that that's where he should go. Uh, I agree. It, it allows a lot less because like right now it just feels like. what I really get scared of when I start watching the power play is when I see them just doing the lackadaisical passes around the outside. And Mm -hmm. I feel like with having Shifley on that, that, you know, the left wall, having Connor on the right wall, it's just going to keep going. Cause neither of those guys are the crazy. I'm going to Blake Wheeler passes across three people's, you know, in through three people's legs and somehow get it across (laughs) unless that perfect seam opens up, which it rarely does nowadays. Uh, no. like they're just going to be passing around until one of them takes a, a, a crummy shot. And it just doesn't feel like there's enough movement. So, uh, you know, again, Elers has had a lot of success on that left wall. velardi previously with the Kings had a lot of success in front of the net, which is where he's playing now, which is great. Shifley has had a lot of success in the middle and, uh, you know, Kyle Connor's in his spot and Josh Morrissey's in his spot. Like it just, it just makes a lot of sense to me, but uh I don't know maybe maybe there's a reason that they don't want to do that because you know maybe maybe what I would imagine Rick Bonus wants to do is try to capitalize on the pressure that's increasing right, right. and 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 get you know get the oppos- opposing power play tired and then have a second wave of guys come back on who are fre- fresh and ready to go if if you know mm-hmm. the first power play isn't ready to sc- or able to score in the first half but if if that pressure doesn't start then you know what happens right you you get the the power play of last year right so uh, for sure at least well, things, things like, are looking better at least this year but
1: I, I yeah i i would agree i think that it has to be continuing at that level like for them to be and they really like they can't let the power play be an issue where and what i mean by that is if there's if they start sliding they got to change it up they have to change they have to be more innovative and more and more proactive frankly because there would be stretches where you're going 10 15 games of the same personnel on the first unit you're you're not scoring an effective clip, and you're losing games because of it. So that's kind of more sort of meant by the power play as a whole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I completely agree. But uh, again, things are looking good. Uh, I I have questions about Iafo's usage there, but uh, again, the first game the power play looked fantastic. Uh, this mm-hmm. game not too bad. So I guess we'll see how it goes, but. Uh, you know, we're, I think, I think, you know, we're going to hop over to a, a couple questions from the chat. So I don't keep you here Sweet. too, too long. Um, uh, from stressful Gengar, uh, what team is your, uh, far too early improved team and what team is your far too early playoff dropout? So who do you think has, uh, you know, from just the little bits that you've uh, seen this year and with all the moves in the off season, uh, is there a team specifically that you can think of that looks like they have significantly improved this year Uh, and is there any team that you're already pegging as a a playoff dropout from last year
1: okay so this is not recency bias and I'm (laughs) almost positive I wrote this for our Yahoo Sports we did an article our whole staff of who we thought we'd miss surprise like playoff miss I picked Florida and I think that listen recency bias you can say whatever you want but losing Ekblad and Montour for a huge chunk here is going to be really tough yeah, there's there's that to start. Second of all, Spencer Knight, who's now in the minors, he, he you know he was away from the team last year due to do some mental health issues. We don't know when he's going to be back. I think it's going to be conditioning sent. I'm pretty sure because of his contract or whatever. But Sergey Bobrovsky, like man, good playoff run, whatever. But still question mark for me over over an 82 two game season. I think their their bottom six is very Paul Maurice like in in mm-hmm. some facets, and I. I mean, I was messaging you in the game like Oliver Ekman Larson Larson. on their first power play unit. (laughs) Like, what is it 2011? Like, come on. He got a nice tape job. He kind of like corralled it a bit, but like, what are we doing here? So, yeah, I'm very weary of the Cats. Like, I'm really not into what was the second part of the question? Was it a surprise Uh, team uh, to make it?
0: Early, uh, far too early, like who improved the most? Uh, Yeah.
1: Okay. Like, does it have to be a team? That like made a lot of additions. Do just we think? and
0: take it any way you want. Like who who's a team that you can you can if you're just making a prediction to say this team yeah. is going to be significantly improved uh, from last year. Who would you say is is your top spot for that?
1: Honestly, Ottawa. I think the Ottawa Senators are going to really come into their own this year, and I think that okay. So you look at the, the Pinto situation is hilarious. It the is the fact that they <laughs> they cannot sign this player right now and he was like in ottawa do you see this he was in ottawa but he flew back home because like someone like some reporter spotted him tweeting or skating at the at the practice facility and he left and somebody bruce garage said i was too much of a distraction from <laughs> him being there so it's like they they generally have to exile the guy um ottawa's really ottawa is such a an interesting team because when you look at the way they've built from the ground up right they have, intentional or not, of course you want to go best player available, but here's the reality. They've built this core around really competitive players that suck to play against. Ridley Greg, if you don't know his name now, you will know it yeah. this year. That guy's a menace. That guy sucks to play against, and he's <laughs> really good. Like I'm talking really good. And that year, when they drafted, the Sens had three first-round picks. It was a near certainty they were going to trade the third one. But when Greg slipped to them, they were like, no, we're drafting him. They love him that much. Okay, there's him. And then Brady Kachuk, I think he's an excellent leader. And he's really kind of the face of that identity I'm talking about. And then you have Sanderson, Shabbat, Chikrin on your back end. All three guys for different reasons that I think are going to take a massive step this year. And I think a big part of it is a respected deployment. So I'm big on the Senators this year. And yeah, they suck to play against. I'm telling you, man people are going to see what the Sens are all about this year.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know if I sh- fully share my your thoughts on the senators. I think that some things aren't going to go right for them in the future, but That's fair. Uh but but that's that's fair. I'm also I have questions about their goaltending, but uh, just to answer the question as well myself. Uh early pl- my my playoff dropout this year, if if you listen to can't each sides with my my uh co-host Liz. And I uh, I predicted that this year is the year that the Tampa Bay Lightning fall out of the playoffs. Yeah. That is my hot take. I'm ready to have it thrown in my face at the end of the season when they are naturally back in the cup final. But they win the uh, cup. I mean, hey, it, 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 they could. They genuinely could. But I don't know. I feel like this just feels like the year where they're going to take uh, a step back in regards to I, I think the Vasilevsky uh injury will be a big effect on it at least to start the season. For I know sure. it's only a couple you know a, a couple months, but it's the lightning. who knows maybe a couple months is uh more than a couple months because it, it works out better for them in in money ways um who knows it, truly who knows um but they also feel like a team I could just see maybe getting they've always kind of had a bit of injury trouble so um i I guess and also with the the rise of the rest of the teams of at the Atlantic. Someone's gotta take a step back at some point, right? So they're they're my pick personally. And I also uh, as far as improvement, I don't know. I don't really have a of who improved the most. I would say the Jets. No, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> I, I think naturally the like I it's kind of the the low-hanging fruit answer, but like the Blackhawks. I mean, they they got Connor Bedard and and not only did they do that, they I mean, uh Taylor Hall's gonna be out for A while, but uh, they had him at one point. They did have him. Uh, I mean, Corey Perry is there. Nick Foligno, again, some guys who are a little past their prime, but uh, that still feels like a young team that could maybe get a lot out of even guys like Lucas Reichel is is a promising young guy as well, too. Uh, I think that they will be totally yeah i, I think they will be decent i'll think they'll be better than most people expect them to be but uh but they still have peter Mrazek in that so maybe not we'll Same. see yeah um okay one uh one other question here um let's see uh who are you uh who are your top three dark horses this year players or teams uh right? let's do teams i, I would imagine okay. teams but
1: Okay, so dark horse, as in like to win the cup or make the playoffs, or what do you I, want? yeah, I let,
0: let's do let's do. Uh, could win the cup, but you wouldn't be traditionally in the conversation uh, of of that. I guess if that makes that's sense. a great question. No, totally.
1: The Devils don't count. Hey,
0: I don't think they do. I feel like that's everyone's. Yeah, that's the trendy that's every, pick.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's the cool thing to do. I think if I'm looking for a couple dark horses. I'm. Uh, I could be. I could bite my tongue here, but I'm gonna say Minnesota. I I really listen. I really like Minnesota. What the reason I like Minnesota is this: people talk about the Zuccarelle and Foligno contracts, whatever. Like to me, it's like they're big parts of the team. You overpay them. They're they're big parts of them. Okay, contracts but, are
0: just contracts. It, it's about yeah. what's playing on the ice at the end totally. of the day,
1: right? <laughs> the Wild are just not only how they always kind of, they've been like the definition of like, they've been the mushroom middle for a long time, but just the, in my opinion, sort of the injection of the young talent, Brock Faber. um, I think Marco Rossi will be a pretty decent piece of them this year. They needed a little bit of youth in their lineup. Mm -hmm. And then look at their top guys, like Joel Erickson, great two way center. I really love his game. Ryan Hartman has come out of the top rope to be like a great center. It's crazy. Like he's, he's speak, really solidified mm-hmm. himself as a top six piece. I, like, I think he was in the HL at one point. Like it, It's like, after he was in the Blackhawks. I'm pretty sure. Um, unless it's Vinny Hinestrosa, I always get them confused. But I do think that the the Wild have like a really solid team. And you look at it, like whether it's the Jets or whether it's other teams we talk about, everyone wants to talk about blowing it up. And maybe sometimes it's warranted. Maybe it's not. But sometimes you just need a good group to get over the hump. I was listening to the CJ show mm-hmm. on your guys' network. And CJ made a great point. Sorry, Chris Johnson show, but CJ made a great point about how, you know, Derek Steppen, who just retired, scored like a triple OT winner with the Rangers to beat the Capitals. And that Capitals team took so this was like five, six years ago. That caps team took so many times to even get over the hump year after year after year. And some people look at it like, okay, this team needs to blow it up. It's not working. But to me, in my opinion, it's like, okay, no, like if you look at it, they just need a couple of bounces to go their way. Philip Gustafson is legit. Like, jump yeah. on the oh, yeah. bus, man.
0: He's legit. Terrible trade for Ottawa, but oh my god, but a horrible yeah. <laughs> trade.
1: But I don't know how you f- could foresee this. And then, f- like Flower, that's your that's your backup or one B, whatever you want to call it. Like Minnesota is doing it right. They have a guy in Gustafson that can win you games, like in clutch moments. Mm-hmm. So can Flower. Don't get me wrong. They're gonna have those guys pretty well rested throughout the year. They're getting younger in the areas they need to, and their nucleus is still strong. That's my dark horse. I don't have another two. I'm gonna go actually I'll go Vancouver.
0: That, that I actually I feel a lot stronger in Vancouver than I feel like a lot of other people do. Um yeah. I, I if if the, as long as Demco can stay healthy and play well, like that's that provides them a lot. A lot of of things uh, that they need uh, because their defense isn't great. But if you have a good goaltender that can make up for that and they clearly have the scoring powers, they scored like eight goals against uh, the Oilers of the night. Right. Yeah. No, I Um, agree. And, you know, maybe it could be also my bias. I am uh, previously a Canucks fan before the Jets came back. But uh, I would say them and then I think my other my I would say my other picks, my honorable mentions, uh, obviously the, the Buffalo Sabres ever. I feel like that's a little bit of a trendy pick in, in regards to. Yeah, to, uh, you know, being better than people expect this year, as long as they can figure out their goaltending situation, uh, be very interesting for them. Uh, other than that, I mean, like we can't count out the Pittsburgh Penguins at the end of the day, like Jari's going to be healthy this year, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, if they can figure out how to to properly, you know, play both Carlson and Latang, uh, if they can avoid injuries, you still got uh, Crosby. Gensel is healthy right now. Uh, Malkin's healthy. If if they can keep their health, that's a that could be a potentially scary team. And uh, I'll close out the the dark horse section by saying this: the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> No, I, I, I don't think this is the year for the jets, but I look at this team and I go, they have a lot of really good pieces. It looks like things are looking better on the defensive end of things. They, they, they seem to have a bit of a defensive mind, uh, a bit like more focus on it this year, or at least like, sorry, with Rick bonus, they seem to have a bit more of a focus on defense than, they had previously, and they do have some decent scores. I look at this team, and they still have the their additions that they made at the trade deadline last year in Vlad Nemestikov and Nino Niederreiter. If they can get the, you know, you have a potential guy who can step in in Vili Hanola who might potentially make an impact on the on the D side of things. And then, you know, as you you approach the, you know, the trade deadline, if this is a team that's buying, if they go out and get a, if they swing big and get another scorer.
1: Oh, I like, know. I like they
0: have the depth, they have the goalie. They have good enough defense. It's it's yeah. possible. It's I don't think it's that outlandish, man. I, I really I, don't. I, I did I never I thought I would don't. be sitting here saying this. And and I understand that I am biased, but it's like they have a lot of the I, I can understand why this team um, you know, go to themselves into Keeping their players and and not blowing it up, I can understand why they go. We have a window ahead of us as long as we re-sign these guys. So again, well, and- look, as long as you have Connor hellebuck or like a superstar that we're talking about, you have a
1: chance. So I think that they're honestly a very plausible dark horse. I, I really believe it.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it it's it's definitely possible, and it's going to be an exciting year um but uh, you know i think i think i've kept you here long enough i really do appreciate your uh, your time here jacob i'm sure we'll no have worries, you back man. on uh, at some point as well in the future seems like sure the chat thing. seems to like you so uh before we do head out here let uh, let the people know where they can find you
1: yeah uh follow me on twitter at jl staller um I feel like i'm giving like a shout out at the end of a mixtape here um, <laughs> give, yeah, um yeah, catch me outside uh yeah so Follow me on Twitter, uh, JL Stoller. If you'd like to read uh, Yahoo Sports stuff on the app when you're sending your fantasy lineup, go to the NHL stuff, you'll find my columns. And yeah, the hockey news, you can find my face for radio all over our video platforms and stuff. And uh, in the magazine, you should subscribe. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yep. Really appreciate it. Uh,
0: and uh, yeah, obviously follow at SDPN Sports on Twitter. Follow at NHL Chunky. Of course, Please give some love to Jacob. He was a fantastic guest on our inaugural uh, Jets-only show uh, here uh, on Game Over Winnipeg. Uh, but for uh, for myself, for, for Liz, for Jacob, thank you all for watching. Uh, we will see you uh, next game when Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Kings roll into town. It should be a fun one. Can't wait to get to that one. Once again, thank you, Jacob. Anyways, please like the stream. Have yourselves a great day. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Enjoy your weekend.